Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Romans, and we turn to Romans chapter 16. The last chapter of this book, and so we finish our study of the book of Romans this morning, and I've entitled the message, Essentials for Effective Service. Essentials for Effective Service. Paul has written a long book that addresses a lot of doctrinal issues, and uh, we've been thrilled to see that, that, that the believer in Jesus Christ is justified by faith. That means we're declared righteous. And because of that, we're free in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that he's going to take care of us. And he's promised to uh, take care of us. And he's promised even that uh, all things are going to work together for good to those who love the Lord. And he loves us with an everlasting love and nothing can separate us from his love. And then as he closes this book, he has some instructions to uh, the saints there in Rome. Let's follow in your Bibles as we read. I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give, give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well beloved Epineus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who were of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. Salute Apellus, approved in Christ. Salute them that are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphema and Tryphosa, who labored in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philogus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now I beseech you, brethren... Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but that I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil." And the, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timotheus, my workfellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, a chamberlain in the, of the city, saluteth you. And Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is, in, that is of power to establish you according to my gospel 
and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this conclusion to the book of Romans. I know it's full of a lot of names, and yet that's very important to you. We thank you, Lord, that you consider us special in your eyes because we belong to you. And we know that you know our names as you knew those names many years ago. And we take comfort in that. And I pray that you give enablement now, Lord, to bring this message And I pray that it would be instructive to God's people. And if there's anyone here not saved, that today would be the day of salvation for them. We love you, Lord, and thank you for using us. Thank you for putting us in your service. Help us to be effective servants, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At the first reading of this passage, you might ask, how in the world can you get a message out of that? (laughs) Well, I just, it just seems that Paul is greeting a, a lot of people that he's known in the past and met along the way and bringing his letter to a close. But let's remember that Paul was, as we dealt with last week, the ideal minister. And what Paul was writing was really the scripture. It was the breath of God. It was the God-breathed words. So what God is saying, what Paul is saying here is very important And even though it seems like it's just wrapping up the letter and mentioning a lot of names, it's very important because all of God's Word is important. There's no part of the Word of God that's not important. Even those lists in the Old Testament list all the genealogy, name after name after name. It's very important or God wouldn't have put it there. It's the actual breath of God. So maybe God will help us this morning to sort of glean some hands full of purpose you remember when Ruth was gleaning in the field that they dropped hands full of purpose. In other words, the reapers were gleaning. They knew Ruth was behind them, so they took a handful of grain and dropped it on purpose so she could pick it up. Maybe the Lord will help us to uh, pick up some, some of those hands full of purpose uh, from this passage. Uh, years ago, I had a radio ministry in West Virginia for over 21 years, and I was on the radio every Saturday morning for a half hour and enjoyed that ministry. But the, the title of that, uh, that ministry was Treasures of Truth. It was the Treasures of Truth Bible program. And uh, we would take the Word of God and try to give treasures of truth. Well, hopefully from this passage, we'll gain some treasures of truth as we look at it this morning. As I read and studied this, the verses, the Lord began to help me to understand that there are some essentials for effective ministry uh, revealed in this passage In Romans 15, 15, verses 14 to 33, we saw Paul as the ideal minister, which we dealt with last week. We saw him as committed, as compassionate, as complimentary. He was bragging on people, telling them the good things they did. Cooperative, he worked with the people. They worked together. And then Christ-centered. Now, the ideal minister uh, directs his attention to the saints at Rome, And as he does that, he gives them some parting words of wisdom. And hopefully from these parting words of wisdom that he gives to them, we'll be able to glean these things this morning. The first thing we'd like to notice is to to have an effective ministry. Our ministry must be people 
We must have people appreciation. And we see this clearly as Paul writes in this last chapter, people appreciation. Uh, the, the ministry of the Lord is not made uh, uh, beneficial, really, by focusing on things such as plans and programs and promotions and pews and budgets and buildings and billfolds. Now, all those things are important, but they're not at all important unless they're, all of those things are focused on people. The reason we should exist is for people. And Paul saw that clearly. As he writes, you can easily tell he has a heart for people. He has people appreciation. Because through all of his travels, he's met a lot of people, and a lot of those people have ended up in Rome. And so he knows they're there. He met them in his travels. He knows they're there, so he greets them, and he greets them by name. Thirty-five people are mentioned by name in this passage. Now, he greets those in Rome, but then also at the end of the passage, he tells those are with him, and they send greetings to Rome. And so, but all those names that are mentioned, there are 35 names of people mentioned by name. There were seven women mentioned, and the seven women were um, Phoebe, Priscilla, uh, Mary, uh, Junia, uh, Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Julia. So there are seven women mentioned in this passage. There are two households that are named, and that's we've seen that in verse 10. Uh, salute Apellus, approve the Christ, salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. And so, and then he mentions in verse 11, salute Herodian, my kinsman, greet them that be of his house, the household of Narcissus. And so he mentions these names and then he mentions households. He mentions two women by, that are unnamed. Verse 13, he says, salute Rufus, chosen of the Lord, and his mother. We don't know her, her name. He's his mother and mine. So she was very special to Paul as well. But he mentions her even though her name is not given. Verse 15, salute Philologus, Philologus and Julia Nerus, Nerus and his sister, Olympus and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. So his sister, we don't know her name. God does. We don't know her name, but he mentions her and one of the unnamed women. He mentions a church that's in Priscilla and Aquila's home, uh, verse 5. He mentions a group of brethren, verse 14. And he mentions all the saints with a certain family in verse 15. So he has people appreciation and he mentions all these names. Now, in his mentioning of those names, we know some things that he appreciated. He appreciated their service to the Lord. Let me give you some of it. Phoebe, in verses 1 and 2, it says she was a servant of the church, a succorer or a helper of many. So he appreciated her service to the Lord. Priscilla and Aquila, he says, they were my helpers. For my life laid down their own necks. Then there was a church in their house. And so these people, he's mentioning their service to the Lord. If Paul was to mention our church, would, be able, would he be able to name you out and say, this is what she does, this is what he does for the Lord. And so he's mentioning these people. Uh, Mary, in verse 6, it says uh, she bestowed much labor on us. And the word labor is the word that means in the Greek language to labor to the point of exhaustion. It's, uh, she really worked hard at it. Uh, John chapter 4, the same word is used of Jesus. When Jesus was wearied 
with his journey. Wearied, he was labored at the point of exhaustion. Uh, chapter 5 of Luke, verse 5, says the disciples toiled all night. And the word toiled means labor to the point of exhaustion. And so Mary was a woman who served the Lord and worked hard at it. Even when she was tired, she would still do what she needed to do for the Lord. So he mentions her. And if Paul mentions her, then of course the Lord's mentioning her because it's God's word. And so God takes note of that. So if you're doing a lot for the Lord and maybe you think nobody notices, God notices. God knows all about it and it's very important to him. Urbane, verse 9, says our helper emphasizing his service to the Lord. Tryphena and Tryphosa. Many Bible scholars believe these were two women, maybe even twins, uh, Tryphema and Tryphosa. And they labored in the Lord. Uh, uh, Persis, verse 12, says, labored much in the Lord. Timothy, verse 21. Timothy's mentioned lot in the writings of Paul because he was such a help to Paul. He, said, he calls him my fellow, my, my work fellow. And so he worked along with Paul. Uh, Andronicus and Junia, probably a couple, a man and a wife, verse 7, they were fellow prisoners and they suffered with Paul. Some people believe that, uh, some scholars believe that since, since these people, Andronicus and Junia, are called kinsmen, I think that's, that's the passage. It says, um, Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen. And the word kinsmen there can mean relatives. And uh, some believe that Paul, because of his stand, you remember he was a prominent Jewish person, and because he left Judaism and became a Christian and was used so greatly of the Lord, uh, many believe that he was disinherited by a lot of his family. And, but there was a family member that, uh, that was very dear to him, and if, these are, if this means family, then uh, Andronicus and Junia, you just think about it, they loved Paul, and they were the family members that accepted him, didn't reject him. And uh, then it says this about them, who also were in Christ before me. Now, I use that verse sometimes to prove that, that uh, we were not in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, God knew all about us, that's, sure, that's true, and we could say we're chosen, all of that, but we were not in Christ before the foundation of the world. Because Paul said these people were in Christ before him. When you get in Christ is when you trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Human responsibility. You must believe or you will not be saved. And so they were in Christ before Paul. And you can sort of imagine, if they are kinsmen, if the rest of his family has sort of uh, disinherited him, and, but he has this couple who knew Christ before he did. Maybe they prayed for Paul. Maybe they saw their relatives so, so against Christians and putting them to death and all those things and throwing them in jail and they were heartbroken and probably they prayed and asked, Lord, you've got to change Paul. And then God changed him. God saved him and they were so excited about it. And Paul says, they were in Christ before me. They were saved before me, but I thank the Lord for them and I greet them. So they must be there in Rome at that time. And then he mentions... Uh, something else about these that he appreciates, not only their service, but he appreciates their spiritual relation to the Lord and himself. And uh, he mentions that, I'm going to point it out in just by mentioning some of the names. Verse 5, Eponidas, he's called the well-beloved. So he was loved by Paul, first, first fruits of Achaia. And so this man, 
was the first one who was saved when he went to Achaia to preach. And so that was special to Paul, his first convert in Achaia. And he mentions him, and he's in Rome as well. And he says, my well-beloved. Uh, Amplius, verse 8, he says, my beloved. Uh, Stachus, verse 9, my beloved. Apelles, approved in Christ. Uh, and the word approved means pushed to the test and approved. He was approved in Christ, so he probably went some through, through some real trials. And he was approved in Christ, and he showed himself to be faithful. And he says, I thank him that he's approved in Christ. He mentions the household of Narcissus, uh, and he mentions uh, them being in the Lord. Uh, Rufus, chosen in the Lord. There's something interesting about Rufus. Rufus, the Bible says in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, was the son of Simeon of Cyrene. And who was Simeon of Cyrene? The man who took the cross and bore it for Jesus. You remember when Jesus on the road to Calvary, he stumbled and fell because of the load of the cross, because he was so weak from all the whippings and everything. And there was a man called Simon of Cyrene who picked up the cross and carried it for Jesus. And he says he's the father of Rufus. This might be that Rufus. And if that's true, then Paul has this special relationship with this guy who carried the cross of his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's a wonderful thought to think about Paul still having a relationship with that man. He says, Rufus, chosen in the Lord. And then verse 14, he talks about the brethren. That's in relation to Christ. You know, uh, Paul's related to Christ. He's, and uh, these people, they're his brothers in Christ. And he says, the brethren. And then he calls them, in verse 15, he refers to the saints. And so all this is showing that Paul's spiritual relationship to them and their spiritual relationship to the Lord. And then also in this appreciation for people, he shows appreciation to them in a physical way. Notice what he says in verse 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now I ask you today not to salute me with a holy kiss. <laughs> this is, this is uh, cultural. And that time, this was, this was used and still is in that area. And you'll notice lots of times these people in that, that area, they'll greet each other with a kiss, sometimes on both cheeks, or, or it'll be like this in the air. And it, but it's a greeting each other with a kiss. Well, we don't do that today. That's not our culture. I'm sort of glad it's not. But let's also notice this. It was a holy kiss. There was no, no way that... A man is supposed to go up and greet a woman and, and have other thoughts on his mind. Uh, no way, it's be a holy kiss. And the same way, and it probably wasn't expressed by men and women. It was probably women to women and men to men. I'm not sure. But uh, even the, the, the men is supposed to be a, a holy kiss. Now, today, what do we do? Well, it's what we did a while ago. We greeted each other with a handshake. It's a personal thing. It's a physical thing. And Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And for us, it would be with a, with a handshake. And so Paul showed appreciation for people. And that's very necessary for an effective ministry, that we appreciate people. As I said, I think it was last week, people should never be the stepping stone for a preacher. We should be appreciative of people and love people and realize who they are. And they're very special to us because they're God's people. And so uh, people appreciation is very important. 
And then there's another thing that's important for effective ministry we see in this passage, and that is problem avoidance. Problem avoidance. And we see that in verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So Paul, in his closing remarks to these people in his letter, he says, I want you to avoid these problems. And so problem avoidance is very important in effective, effective ministry. Where there's a problem, it needs to be pointed out. And he's talking about doctrinal problems here. There's the problem of false doctrine. Notice what he says in verse 15. They're causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Therefore, what are you to do to avoid them? So do you appreciate some people, but you avoid other people. So Paul says, be on the lookout. If somebody comes into the congregation with another doctrine, which is not what I have taught you, if they come in with strange doctrine, uh, you don't just play around with it. You, you, you avoid them. You don't have anything to do with them. It reminds me of 2 John, where John says if somebody comes in with a, a doctrine that's different than yours concerning Christ, uh, don't even let them in your house. That means if a Jehovah's Witness comes to your house, you should not let them in. Talk them on the, on the, out on the outside, on the porch or something, and... Uh, Tell them where they're wrong, but don't let them in. And he also says this, and don't bid them Godspeed. As they leave, don't say, you know, sometimes we're in a habit of doing it, but as they leave, he says, don't say, God bless you, because that's bidding them Godspeed. You don't want God to bless that, that wrong doctrine, because they're messed up on the person of Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's true of the Jehovah's Witness, also true of Mormons. You know, they're messed up on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's very important. And so Paul says, avoid them. Don't have anything to do with them. And avoid them because of the doctrine. Notice something, some things about their doc, their, what they're trying to do. Uh, verse 17, they distort the truth. It says, contrary to the doctrine, the doctrine that Paul has taught them. If they bring in something contrary to that, whether it's you know that you're saved by being circumcised or you're saved by keeping the law or uh, some other way, if there's anything contrary to the doctrine, if it's something that's opposed to justification by faith, that's contrary to the doctrine. And he says you avoid them, and they distort the truth. They also dethrone the Lord. We see this a lot of times in false doctrine, and that is people are trying to get a following. They're trying to get people to follow them, and they build themselves up as people follow them. And they dethrone the Lord. They say they serve not our Lord but their own belly. They're in it for what they can get out of it. And that's true many times of false doctrine. Sometimes false doctrine is, uh, is couched in a whole lot of good things. And they do good deeds and all that. And people are enamored by the fact that they do good deeds. The Lord says that's the way it is. Satan appears as an angel of light, but he's not. And so don't be taken in just because the people do good deeds. If their doctrine is wrong, then avoid them. And what they're trying to do is uh, they're not serving the Lord. He's not the Lord. They're the Lord. And they're actually serving their own belly. And uh, so he says they, they dethrone the Lord. They also deceive the people. 
So they distort the truth, they dethrone the Lord, and they deceive the people. It says in verse 18, by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. And the hearts of the simple are those people who mean well, but they're not grounded in the truth. And they're taken in by this, and people are kind to them, and they're taken in by it, and they fall for the lie, and it's, it's usually concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and who he really is and what he's done. Now, so there's the problem of false teachers. And he says, you avoid that problem. You stay away from those people. You don't entertain them, and uh, you get away from that. And then also there's the problem of faulty influence. We see this in verse 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. This is so important. Effective ministry has people appreciation. Effective ministry has problem avoidance. That's avoiding false doctrine, but it's also avoiding faulty influence. And he says this, be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So many today pride themselves in their knowledge of evil. And that's true today. We see it, and they're trying to get our kids to be involved as well. Many without, want children to know the wrong things today. And uh, all of us are aware of this. How the media, how TV programs advertisements, and all of that are trying to teach our kids and indoctrinate our kids with wrong things that they don't need to know anything about. I remember when I was growing up that there were certain things that you didn't talk about, and the parents didn't talk about it. It was it, one thing as sexual, sexual things. Parents didn't talk about those things until the kids were older. But what's the world trying to do today? They're trying to break that down. You watch the TV and the ads that come on, you almost feel like, oh, I hope the kids aren't watching. <laughs> I hope they're not listening. And to be, a, to be, if you had children at home, the right thing would make, make sure that those ads are not listened to by your kids. They don't need to know those things. And then a program will come on and it'll be a great program and all of a sudden there's this homosexual couple and they treat them as if this is okay. Oh, this is nice. You know, he loves him and he loves him and, and they get along fine and it's, it's normal. It's not normal. It's wrong. But what does the world try to do? Tries to tell our kids that it's okay. And uh, so the Lord says we're to be wise concerning good but simple concerning evil. The word simple means unmixed. It means innocent. It means pure. May God give us that time years ago when kids were innocent and pure. They didn't know all this stuff that they don't need to know. And they weren't in, in, indoctrinated with all that wrong, those wrong things. How, how bold is it getting today? Let me tell you something. The, one of the goals of the left today I mean, the left politically, and they show their doctrine by the things they teach. One of their goals is to tear down the United States of America. You remember how the Black Lives Matter, um, when it first started, and uh, how prevalent it was, and how influential it was, and it's still influential. But one of their stated goals was to tear down the family, as we know it today. Why? 
God established the family. And God is the one who set it up so that the family is used by him. Where there's a mom and dad instructing the children, and they are responsible to those children. What are they doing today in schools? They're trying to get it it so that parents don't have a right to say anything about what they're doing with their children. And they get all upset when parents get upset that they're teaching the wrong things. It's as if they, they think that they have the right to teach those kids the wrong thing. Why, why is that? The state believes the kids belong to the state and not the family. And the stated goal, not of everybody, because some don't even understand it, but the stated goal of those behind that, or the intended goal behind those behind that, is to tear down the family and tear down the United States. And we're in a battle today. Now, let me tell you one of the things they're doing today that's so blatant, and that is they're having drag queen story hours. You've heard about that. You've seen it on TV. It's sickening. And what they're doing is they're going into schools and libraries and they're having these drag queen story hours, and this man dressed up like a woman, and he's telling telling these kids a story, you know, reading the story, and being nice to the kids, and the kids are supposed to accept him as normal. He's not normal. That's abnormal, and it's wrong. It's sin. But it's to break the kids uh, down and make them think, oh, these old thoughts are not right. These people are nice. These people are good. And uh, to accept them. We're not to accept that. We're to avoid that, and we're to just speak out against it because this drag queen story hour is of the devil. And yet it's, it's all across the nation now. And when I was growing up, to th- even to think that that would happen would be unthinkable. There's no way that would happen in the United States. But it's happening today. And believe me, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse if it's not stopped. Sin never improves. Sin always goes downhill. And it'll get worse and worse and worse. We would have thought a few years ago there would never be a time when the United States would approve these kind of things. Well, they are. And the next thing is bestiality, and it will be approved, believe me. If they continue down this road, that will be approved as well. So what are we, what are we to make sure about our kids, that they're simple concerning it? In fact, it's, it should even be true of us adults. That, you know, some people glory in what they've done. They glory in the sin that they've been exposed to and they've participated in. You shouldn't glory in that. That's been a part of your past It's a part of your past. Give God the glory that he saved you from you. But you never glory in the fact that you did certain things. The Lord says we should be simple concerning evil. We should be unmixed. We should be innocent. We should be pure. And never be ashamed to stand. Say, I never did that. Well, praise God if you can say, I never did something that's sinful. You should be glad of that. And that's what the Lord wants. And so we should, we should never say to a young person, you know, well, they've got to sow their wild oats. No, they don't have to sow their wild oats. A young person never has to sow their wild oats. Sin will tell them they do, but they don't have to. You can, you can be a young, chi- a young child and grow up and, and remain innocent and still be a virgin when you get married, and that's right, and that's acceptable, and it's something you should be proud of to be able to say that. But today... It's just not that way. So they're doing everything they can to break down and tear down the innocence of our youth. Through sex education, exposing them to homosexual lifestyle so they will accept it. 
the ads on TV, the promoting of the gender confusion and the whole transgender madness. I mean, it's so ridiculous. But an effective ministry will do what is necessary to warn of those problems. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm warning you of those things. I would not be an effective minister if I just appreciated people and never told you about any of the problems. We should be against those things. So November the 8th is election day. I hope all of you who are of age to vote are registered to vote, and I hope you will vote. Don't you say that it's not going. My vote's not going to matter. Oh yes, it would. Just think if there were thousands of people who said my vote won't matter. It'll matter, and there have been example after example where one vote made the difference. It does matter. So should we should go out and make sure we vote against people who are in favor of abortion, against people who are in favor of teaching critical race theory in the schools, against those who are, uh, who are uh, against parents having the rights in their schools to tell the, tell the, s- the staff what they're to teach and what they can't teach. And if a, a political person stands up and says, I don't think parents should be able to tell the, the public school what they should teach, then vote against them. Uh, vote against those who want to defund the police. Vote against those who want to have gun control. Vote against those who want illegals to vote. And that, that's, one of the, that's one of the things on the ballot, by the way. <laughs> Issue one and two is, should, should be, I think, if I understand correctly, Christians should vote yes. Because it says illegals shouldn't vote. <laughs> well, we should be able to, we should make sure that we stand up for what is right. And there's the Equality Act. And sometimes it's... it's made as if all make everybody equal. No, it's, it's special rights for the LGBTQ plus community. And uh, it's wrong. And so what's my responsibility as an effective minister? It's to appreciate people, people appreciation, but also problem avoidance. But then there's another thing that we see in this passage, and that is prophetic assurance. You know, <laughs> I'm glad we have this, aren't you? Because it says in verse 20, and you, can, you feel like saying amen when you read this, and the Lord God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. <laughs> Thank the Lord. The day is coming when the devil's going to be defeated. He's not going to win. He's going to lose. He'll have temporary victories, but he will lose. The Bible says the, the Lord will cast him into the lake of fire forever and ever, and he'll never get out. That's going to happen. So make sure that we include that. We appreciate people. We warn of problems. And, but we have this prophetic assurance, and that, that prophetic assurance that the devil is going to lose. We need to know how the battle between good and evil that's mentioned in verse 19 is going to end. And that is, it's going to end, and uh, good will be on the, on the winning side. The Lord's going to win. The devil's going to lose. And then there's provision awareness. And we see that in verses 20 and verses 24. Verse 20 says, And the God of peace bruised Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. As we fight this battle, as we warn people of the problems, and we know the devil's going to lose, we need to have provision assurance, and that is that we have the grace of God. God's going to be good to us. God's going to take care of us. And God's going to meet our needs, the grace of God. The provision we need for everyday struggles of life is the grace of God. 
And God's gonna, God provides that. And Paul says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Notice he repeats it in verse 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's live with the awareness that we have the grace of God every day. And uh, we are going to be victorious because the Lord is there with us all the time. And then finally, there's priority alignment. And that is verse 25 through 27. He talks about we must have the proper priority of our service for the Lord. And that is that God will be glorified. Effective ministry always has this, that priority alignment is this. God should be glorified, not man, not the church, not our programs, anything like that. The one that gets the glory is the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to the one who is powerful. Look at verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. I mean, everything we have is based on the gospel. Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He rose again the third day. He paid the price for our sins. He came victorious from the grave. He will save anyone who will trust in him. And we've trusted him as our savior. And we have uh, so much to be thankful for. And we have the power of the gospel uh, that's on our side. And so we give, need to give glory, the glory to God. It's only because of him that we're able to do anything for Jesus Christ. Glory to the one who has all power and then glory to the one who is all wise. Look at verse 27. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Many times people think they have a better idea, but we don't. Nobody ever has a better idea than God. To God only wise of everyone in the whole universe, the only one who is totally wise is the Lord. And we'll never go bad by following him. We'll never go wrong by following the Lord because he's the God all-wise. He's the all-wise God, and he deserves all the glory. So if we accomplish anything for Jesus on this life, it'll be because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So make sure that as we minister to the Lord, we have people appreciation. You love people. You have Problem avoidance, you stay away from those problems. You have prophetic assurance that God's going to deal the, Satan a final blow of defeat, and we will win, he will lose. We have provision assurance, we have the grace of God, and we have priority alignment, and that is everything is to be done for the glory of God. As Paul concludes his book, he's told them all kinds of things. He's taught them great doctrines. And he says all those doctrines uh, are very important. But as we minister those doctrines, as we tell people about what the Lord has done for us, we tell people about Bible doctrine, let's make sure that in the process we appreciate the people. Make sure that when problems come in, we avoid those problems and we deal with that. Make sure that we have this assurance that, that the devil's going to lose. Make sure we're always trusting in the grace of God and make sure that we bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us. May he, may he receive all the glory, we pray. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you today for Jesus. We thank you that he's our Savior. We thank you, Lord, that you're all wise and you're all powerful. 
And may we never be intimidated by the world who wants to tear us down. May we stand for the truth. May we proclaim the truth. And may we be the ones, Lord, who stand strong and say, to God be the glory. Help us to be a church that brings glory to God. We pray in his name. Amen.